Welcome to Food and Loathing, which I dare say is the most Vegas of all the Vegas podcasts, at least this week, because we are coming to you from a poolside cabana at the Day Club attached to the world's largest gentleman's club, Sapphires. It's a mouthful, man. Just think for a second how many Vegas keywords I um, I threw into that sentence, right? It sounds like I'm writing SEO tags or a clickbait headline or something, <laughs> right? I mean, basically, poolside, cabana, day club, strip Check. club, gentleman's club, Check. Vegas, Check. Vegas, 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 Vegas. <laughs> and honestly, if that was just clickbait trying to get you to read some lame recycled story with a Vegas spin, it would be sad and pathetic and emblematic of the state of journalism today. But no, that is not all just hype. It's simply where we are right now. And if you don't believe me, you will in a few minutes when the DJ starts her set. <laughs> or perhaps you'll believe my co-host for this week, Mr. Rick Moonen. Rick, yeah, could describe where we are. Oh, my God. We are in one of the most gorgeous poolside um, cabanas that I've, I've been in in Vegas. I see the lifeguard chair. We're here early, so there's no action yet, but the place is immaculate, and it's a beautiful sunny day. No surprises here in Vegas on a wonderful Sunday. And we are here to tell a uniquely Las Vegas story about how some of the best chefs and sommeliers in Vegas once shared not one, but two kitchens at a topless club. To do that, we'll be joined momentarily by some top members of the local F&B community who once worked in that kitchen. And even before we get to that, however, we are joined. Oh, you know, I should throw out there, if you're noticing Rich Johnson is not with us today, Rich yeah. actually has a real job. Um, so, you know, Rich is a very in-demand engineer, he so call he's off sick. doing that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he couldn't call in sick today. So, we are um, handling this on on my own on the engineering side. So if it sounds like shit, Rich will be fixing it up hopefully in post production. But uh, <laughs> you know, if there's stuff he can't work with, please cut him some slack. It's all my fault and not his. So before we get on to a great show, we're joined by one of our hosts for this episode, David Wax. Of is it Wax? It's Wax actually. Wax. Excuse yes. me, David Wax of Sapphires. David, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me today. It's really really exciting to be with you. And I should have said Chef David Wax. No, correct? no, actually no. no. Okay. No. So I've been involved in food and beverage for a very long time, but I do not proclaim to be a chef. Okay. I can buy a water, though. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a lot of questions. So you're the food and beverage director here at Sapphire, yes. correct? Yes. Okay, so I have a lot of questions about this job, uh, which is just so very, very Vegas. But um, first, this is the part of the show where we talk about great places we've eaten over the past week or so. And as both our guest and our host today, which is very meta, if you think about it. Um, <laughs> David, I'm going to start with you. Have you been any place really good to eat recently that you want to recommend? Absolutely, absolutely. And they're right across the street from Sapphire, which makes it very convenient. I could walk over, get a little exercise. Um, some of the restaurants over at Resorts World I really enjoy. Uh, Carver Steak, yep. um, oh, I yeah. love going there, um, not only for its proximity, but for their menu, uh, their service, um, the variety on the menu, and I think they do a very, very fine job. And Brezza, Italian, I mm -hmm. think is wonderful as well. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so I mean, I'm sure I'm not alone in that opinion. Um, no, we I'll, love the we love yeah. those places, and um, actually, the coolest part about that is that somebody from Carver Steak will be joining us here, right? right. Their, their wine director, Stephen, or Stephen Geddes is the yeah. head sommelier and wine director. He wears two hats. Yeah, and so he's over at Carver Steak now, but he was the man that ran that kitchen that I was telling you about at Men's Club, and yeah. had a lot of great chefs working with him. Um, Rick, where have you been recently? Before we get into the totally booby section of this podcast, let me see where have I gone to eat recently? Ow, I can't even remember. 
I've been going to a lot of private events. Over, you know, I, I was at Thrive Aviation where I saw you earlier this week. That was one of the things that I did this week. I, I didn't, but I didn't go to dinner. I, there's a Mexican restaurant near my house that I go to. The one that I'm always trying to drag you into, but it it just has really solid food. You sit at the bar. The margaritas are terrific. What's it called? Let's throw some love. Man, you know what? He doesn't remember. Yeah. That's okay. We'll get it into the end of the show. Yeah, right. I'll, <laughs> I'll look it up on my phone. But you're not even being distracted by dancers yet, man. And you're already like forgetting the names of no, restaurants. I'm just so happy right now. <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I have a history of uh, cooking for. Uh, what we used to call them strip clubs and meant you you know whatever gentlemen's back clubs. in new york you know when i was in new york city for this customer would come into the water club where i was the executive chef and he's like hey i want you to come in and work in our kitchen fix up our you know our food program you know at, at scores underneath the 59th street bridge so i'm like well i can't do that <laughs> you know i can't i'm know? famous and finally and he, he needled me to the point i said look you pay me cash you can't use my name to promote anything i'll come in and fix up your situation so he did so I started working at Scores, and it gave me money to go all the other gentlemen clubs in New York City to see what they're serving for food. <laughs> now this is thirty years ago. Oh man, that's that's probably yeah. That's when I was hitting years ago, strip clubs in New York City. Yeah. Man, why didn't so, I know you? Oh, then? and they messed with me because it was all the organized crime. I mean, excuse me, folks. Let's call that's it right. what it is. You know, but it was you know, there was guns at meetings. <laughs> you know, I, I drove an STS. It was a Cadillac. Just came out. It was a great little caddy, and the guys in the front. You know, the, the valets and whatever. I just parked it right. Um, he t- they told me to park it right under the bridge, right over there, right there. And I said, okay. When I came out, pigeon shit had covered my windshield. I couldn't even <laughs> see out the windshield. This was like my initiation. You're hazing my, my, into hazing. the strip club world? Yeah, you know, so. Well, you know what's at that location right now in New York City where Scores used to be? I have no idea. Sapphire 60th Street. It's a sapphire. That's uh, awesome. How about that? Well, yeah. And here we are again. See? Well, make sure you don't park out. under the bridge. Right? right exactly. <laughs> and they have a fantastic steakhouse on property I, as well. I hope you got better valets. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, man. Well, look, before we get into this Sorry. more strip club history, just a couple things I've done. i got to throw out some love. I went to an escape room this week with um, a kid that I know and Sue and one of our friend's kids yeah, that those we were taking fun. out. That was a lot of fun. But right across from it, we um, dined at Barcode Burgers. I want to send some love to them. They've got great burgers going on over there. Also, I was checking out um rick kind of not really up by you but i went to aliante casino okay and um the reason i was up there is you know we i put out neon feast and a lot of people i always say to people if anything's missing let me know what's missing from the app and david tatlock from the soul juice band great band look him up there i'm really cool and he lives up in north las vegas so he immediately came to me and said why aren't there enough north las vegas you know why aren't there more north las vegas restaurants and i'm like i don't know any so i said why don't you take me to some of your favorites so he took me to um to Gio Mara's place originally, old school mm-hmm. pizza, which is great. We're going to add that to the you app. Know, I think you know Gerald Chin had a, had a, what, an Italian restaurant in Aliante when it opened. He did, and I went there once, and they closed early, and That's I ripped right. him a new one in the in the newspaper. But that night that I went to Gerald, you ripped him a new one, you son of a for for closing early. Yeah, that pisses me off. <laughs> so that night that I had gone to Gerald Chin's, I went to this place MRKT. That's where um, David Tatlock took me the other night, and it was really good. So I want to. Th- Throw a little love to those guys. Um, Got some history. If you're up in Aliante, definitely yeah. check that out. Um, also, went over Barcode Burgers. Those folks own a place called Gambit uh, over in Henderson, mm-hmm. and it has a 
jazz speakeasy steakhouse in there called Gatsby's. It has a gaming bar called The Bank. It has a speakeasy jazz New Orleans-themed steakhouse in there called Gatsby's with live music. And then it has a really, really cool high-end tequila and mezcal bar in the back. So it used to be called E-String. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, Yeah, so you guys should definitely check that out. It's a pretty wild scene. i got to go back a few more times before I form 100% of an opinion on it. But first impression, I liked it a lot. I'm with you. Okay. So you are in with me. So now let's talk about why everybody tuned in today. Let's talk about strip clubs. Let's talk about cooking in strip clubs. Yeah. Rick, we're, let's start with you and then um, uh, both of you gentlemen. Just let's describe how do you approach a job in creating a menu for a strip club? Well, what is what would you say is the most important factor that would be involved in how you design the menu and why do you design a menu and why do you offer food service? You know, for the Sapphire Pool and Day Club, and this is our ninth or tenth year of operation, during the day, people want to come out and have a wonderful time, be in a nice environment. You know, we're fortunate to have the Sapphire entertainers out at the pool, but they're spending a day, they're spending an afternoon, and what comes along with fantastic cocktails is great food. Yeah. So what we try to achieve is something for everybody. And so in addition to the standard menu offerings that any pool would have, you know, burgers, salads. We like to be unique with certain things that we do. Um, you know, we like to be a little bit different than some of the other pools as well. Um, you I, know, yeah. I, I'm going to zero in probably in another segment that we're going to record a little later about pool specific. But okay. right now, I, I want to go a little more general about okay. the life of because you also handle food and beverage indoors as well. Correct. Right. So let, let's talk about it in, in a higher altitude level here. Like just who is the customer that you're feeding when you're feeding a gentleman's club audience? Because now I'm going to show you a little later the guys who um, were over at men's club. They did an insane menu, right? Like five raw bar preparations, crazy steaks, yeah. things like that. And we've Sushi. had a lot of gourmet. So, um, you know, gourmet strip clubs try. They've come and gone. Right. Um, actually, Dennis Rodman quotes one of my reviews of Treasure's Steakhouse in his own book on page five. So, you know, I've been reviewing high-end places. Right. But I feel like in this day and age, people are getting more down to finger food, snack food, stuff like that. So, Well, our goal inside with our food service currently is to offer an amenity to our guests and to our staff and, their enter- and the entertainers where they don't have to go anywhere, where they don't have to call out for food. We would prefer that a guest continue to remain at the club and get you know, a great pizza or a great salad and not say, hey guys, I want to go get some food and leave. We want to, just like in the casinos, we want to offer as many amenities as we can where we can retain the guests and have them stay and continue to enjoy themselves. All right, Al's losing, losing control of the podcast. Yeah, no, I'm loving it. The music's no. coming on the background. So, you know, <laughs> I, no, I sit here and I haven't seen the menu yet. So I would, I would serve a killer fish taco. And, and I think you'd sell them by the, the, the you know. Just for the, the joke? There's hundred. a dirty joke in there. I'm sure. No, there's nothing. No, <laughs> that's so funny. No, because it's what it, this environment. It's just that, I, that's yeah. what I'd want. If I knew you had a great fish taco, I'd be all over that. Like crazy, you know. But your, your menu's terrific. Thank you. You know, I mean, it, it, it does have everything, you know. There's no reason to go anywhere else. And that, uh, like you just said, is the ulterior motive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is just a day of fun all uh, around. Kitchens and restaurants are notoriously high-stress, high-drama situations. Now, as somebody whose first friends in Las Vegas were all 
dancers. I mean, I, I met them all when I used to come on vacation, and they all ended up being my really good friends when Sue and I had no friends in this town. So I've hung out with a lot of strippers. They are higher drama than either chefs or rock stars, in my opinion. <laughs> um, and so do you guys get, when you've worked in adult clubs, have you gotten dragged into that drama type of situation? I mean, is there always something insane going on? Always no, but there have absolutely been moments where if I told you stories, and I guess you're going to ask me for some stories, and hopefully I can recall some of them, um, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, we do our best, obviously, to hire the best people, to contract the best entertainers. But when you get hundreds of girls together, and they're in a locker room, and there's money involved, and there's alcohol involved, that is a recipe for drama once in a while. Yes. So uh, <laughs> we do our best as management to get every side of the story we can, make the proper decisions, uh, slap wrists when we need to slap wrists, be compassionate and have empathy when we need to do that as well. Yeah. But uh, it is exciting. It's new every day. And um, I've been doing it for about 20 years in gentlemen's clubs. See, I'm attracted to crazy, like a moth to a flame. <laughs> so I just love the variety. Her stage name is Crazy, and she'll be here in about 20 yeah, minutes. That, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Watch out, Crazy. No, and it's just, I'm going back, in my head, as you guys are having a discussion, I'm back in that kitchen at Scores in New York 30 years ago, and you don't know what's going to go walking through that kitchen. You know, it's just just a, a, a parade of insanity. I mean, the cooks, one guy was missing an ear, you know, and an eye or something. You know? <laughs> there, there were, it was just, Did it, that happen on your line? No, no, say. this is what I was inheriting. I brought in some of my own guys, you know. And they're from the Dominican Republic, and these guys are just the best. They went in there, and they just—they ended up staying there as the chef. I did a consultation, but the the, the mix of crazy was so <laughs> uh, adrenaline rush. Where going into work there was like, you know, and it was a side job. I still yeah. had the, the the main main job at the water club. So did either of you guys? Well, we'll use a nice word. Did either of you guys ever end up dating any dancers? Dating with um air quotes around it like maybe a two-hour date i don't know or home for the night everything has been 100 percent platonic yeah how about you rick no <laughs> okay that's everybody's story it, it, okay well no, she wasn't the, the girl wasn't currently a dancer okay then i didn't meet her in a dancing situation right. it was actually through robin leach <laughs> yeah, well, gee, that's, and that's how surprise. I met this person. So, and uh, yeah, we ended up dating. Okay. So, does that count? Um, not if you didn't meet her at the job. And right, she no, wasn't not on the job. Dancing. Never. No. no. Um, okay, so it's kind of a don't shit where you eat kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, I've become desensitized to the environment. Mm. Uh, when I do take a breath, you know, I say, well, this is a fantastic place. I could be looking at whatever else I could be looking at, but there's really no uh, <laughs> the environment. Uh, I become desensitized to it, but not that I don't admire beautiful women and, and right. the fun that everybody has. Yeah, no, I get it. I have friends who work in the adult film industry. Yeah. Very much the same thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> you walk in a room and something's going on, and you're like, oh, I forgot that was happening. <laughs> um, you know, when Sapphire opened, and the first time that I was at this pool, and it's a beautiful pool, I love it here. Um, it's just such a great vibe. First time I was here was Kerry Simon was telling yeah. me about the menu that he designed yeah. for Sapphire Topless Club. Now, if you've been in Las Vegas for any length of time, anybody knows that Kerry Simon's one of the top you know, he wasn't homegrown. He wasn't born here, but a great advocate for Las Vegas, yeah. a great Las Vegan. Yeah. And when this place opened up, he designed that menu. And I think that indicates, were you here then at the time? I was. I was okay. here. So, and he was so innovative and it was so great to work with him. And uh, he organized our initial menu, our opening season. And um, 
it was just wonderful to be a part of what he was able to create with us. Are there any dishes that are um, still on the menu from when Kerry was here? Unfortunately, I don't think so. We may have modified a couple of things, um, but I can't recall. I don't think there's anything. I'm looking at the menu right now that is uh, an extension or something that he originally suggested. There's no cotton candy on it. <laughs> there's no right. cotton candy on there. It melted no. too quickly out here. <laughs> I mean, but so. that just feels like it would be sticky and Maybe that's sweet. And it would. <laughs> that's <Okay>. true. <laughs> um, but it does demonstrate the fact that you were willing to um, bring Kerry in here to design a menu. demonstrates that you were taking food seriously from the very beginning Absolutely. of Sapphire's Day Club. And that, that was important for you guys. Um uh, Sorry, I just singed. I was thinking about sticky, sweet cotton candy and, and dancers <laughs> there for a second. And I totally singed. What are some of the, your favorite items on the menu here? You know what? We added a couple of new things this year, which I w was really excited to add. We added the uh, perfect parfait, you know, just something refreshing and light with Greek yogurt, granola, fresh berries. That's doing very well. And I tend to have that as my lunch every day, yeah. which I enjoy. Um, we also added the buffalo cauliflower, which... Being out around town, cauliflower has become so exciting, and it's been placed yeah. on so many menus, whether it be in steak form or buffalo style. You do it uh, right, man. It's delicious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really great. And then uh, we also added um, falafel and vegetables with some tahini, tzatziki sauce, um, some hummus, which is really nice as well. So there are a few things on the menu that you don't necessarily see at a lot of different pools. We've got the staples, of course, but... We try to step out of the box a little bit and create some a little bit more variety. I'm so, sorry. I just keep going back to the nice-ass brownies. The nice-ass brownies? Yeah, nice-ass yes. brownies. They, you should they try, the, uh, try the Double D nice Sunday, ass? too. <laughs> <laughs> double D Sunday. Two scoops. Fun menu. <laughs> um, you know, just in case people are wondering, you know, because this is such an only in Vegas idea of having a topless pool attached to a strip club with food. It's a day club setting. You've got the bottle service. You do the pictures of cocktails. Yeah. Um, could you explain a bit more about what the vibe is like here? Do you need to rent a cabana? Can you just come in and pay an admission? Can you get a lap dance out here? You know, all, this, all the things that, that horny, no, those horny are great, people want to know. Those are great questions. Um, so we have day beds. We have cabanas. We have lounge chairs, both on our main deck and our VIP deck. A lot of our guests pre-book their reservations at sapphirelasvegas.com. Uh, they have the ability to look at different packages, which involve different food and beverage minimums. So generally, the majority of our guests come through prepaid packages. But also, you can walk up. Our hosts can talk to you, can explain the layout, explain how the different areas of the pool work. And you can certainly purchase a lounge chair or a daybed or a cabana. And all these areas have a food and beverage minimum associated with it. So you're not essentially paying for a piece of real estate plus food and beverage. That piece of real estate includes a food and beverage minimum. And we are definitely very competitively priced. Um, now, against nobody, our competitors. I, I'm going to stop you right there and I'm just going to ask the question that a lot of people don't like to ask because people don't always give you a straight answer. And if you can't give me a straight answer, that's fine. Okay. But where's it start? I've written so many day club kind of situations where, you know, I, I always say starting at. Cabanas start at. Daybed start at. You know, lounge chairs start at. Because okay. I realize that during weekly, you know, depending on whether there's a Super Bowl yeah. in town or whatever, it does in fact change. But what are the starting minimums? Well, to today is Sunday, so the lounge chairs on our main deck are $75 mm -hmm. plus the service charge, so it comes out to $92, and that includes $75 in food and beverage. Oh, wow. You know, based okay. upon our, our menus. Right. Uh, day beds are $250, cabanas are 600 and the VIP deck, 
lounge chairs are 100 day beds are 350 and the cabanas are 750 Okay. I like to give people a starting point because there's nothing yeah. worse than when, when you go, okay, I'm going to do that, and then you realize it's way out of your league. No. And the other problem is a lot of times people assume things are going to be way out of the league, and they're not. So, you know, these are all just starting points, but if you're thinking yeah. that you want to come down here. And then the big question. We know it's topless. Correct. Your entertainers from the club wander around, and we'll, hopefully I'll be seeing some shortly if they are. But right now we're great, here the before. The about our club, I mean, we've all been to other day clubs, and they're, and they're all fabulous. But it tends to be majority guys, and they're all hitting on the same women. Yeah. You know? We flip that on its head here at Sapphire because we have the entertainers here at the pool that want to engage with the guys. The guys don't have to do the work. It's the entertainers that are doing the work. Yeah. So And then if no I want to dance? There are no dances at the pool itself. It okay. is topless. So that's why we're attached to the world's largest gentleman's club. The entertainers and the guests can go into the club and get dances inside. Okay. Well, see, we got all the basics covered. I'm giving people the it's information nice the they rules. need to know. Yes. Yeah, you got to know the parameters. And we will not be shooting a lot of – we will not be shooting any photos once now that the doors are open because people should know that, right, that there's a no-photo policy once right. you get in here because it is all for adults. Well, look, man, we um we have a lot going on. Thanks for telling us about how it's done these days. And I do want to have you back a little later for a future episode where we'll talk specifically about pool dining with Mark Marone because oh, he's heading down here Absolutely. as well. Um, we're about to bring in some guests right now to talk about – how it was done in the glory days of topless clubs at a time when most of the dancers that are walking around the pool right now were probably still in nursery school which makes me feel creepy <laughs> but um yeah we're gonna we're gonna flash back about 15 years to men's club shortly the crew from men's club should be arriving momentarily this is food and loathing you're in Vegas, you're hungry, and your choices are endless. But do you really trust the anonymous crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Rich back at the Food and Loathing Studios, and since Al seems to have forgotten, I'll let you know that we will both be at Bottle Rock in Napa, California this weekend, checking out all the music, wine, and food. We'll be recording all the fun for future episodes, but you'll also be able to catch Al live-streaming interviews all weekend long through the Padopolo app. Now, you hear that word and wonder, what the hell? Padopolo is a new app that combines a podcast platform with a social media community. So you want to find more food podcasts, more Vegas podcasts. You want to connect with both the producers of those shows and other listeners. Podopolo is where you do that. So let me spell that. It's actually kind of easy. Podopolo is P-O-D-O-P-O-L-O. Podopolo. Find the app where you find apps. And check upcoming Food and Loathing episodes and find out which rock star chefs and winemakers Al and I managed to corner backstage. Let's get back to Sapphire, where things are getting loud. 
And welcome back from Poolside at Sapphire Day Club. Talking strip clubs, topless bars, whatever you want to call them. Don't call them titty bars because we're too cool for that. Um, but the adult entertainment aspect of Las Vegas is certainly a reason that a lot of people come here. And for some strange reason, a lot of food and beverage writers don't like to write about it, just like they don't write, like to write about cannabis edibles and stuff like that. I've been at many newspapers that did not want me to write about the adult entertainment aspect of this town. And that's why I'm out on my own. This is a story... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we are here at Sapphire to tell a story I've been wanting to tell for maybe about 10 years. And man, I could not have a better group of people to tell this story with than the ones who have joined me. There was a time, maybe about 15-ish years ago, when a little strip club opened up. It's still, there's, the building is still there. It's called Sophia's. It's kind of behind City Center. Um, but at the time, it was called the Men's Club. And at the Men's Club, they had one of the most gourmet kitchens that you would ever find in a, um, in a gentleman's club anywhere in America. And the man running it was, has just joined me. He's Steve Geddes. And he's going to tell us a bit about it. Also joining me is another one of the chefs from that kitchen, Gary Lamort. Um, of course, I have Bob Cranston here because he just likes to be top, uh, by a topless pool. And he was also a big fan of that club. Bob's a big wine guy that I use as a source for so many stories over the years. And Rick Moonen is still here. Say hi, Rick. I, I've had my involvement in the opening of the men's club. I was a regular customer there. I sent tons of people there. I enjoyed the, the whole concept of it. The food was out of control, delicious. Probably would have gotten a Michelin star just for the cuisine. The mastermind behind it, Stephen Geddes, who's going to speak in a second, was a, he was a master sommelier, decided, you know what, I've worked in a lot of kitchens. I worked with, you know, some amazing chefs. I want to go down the road and be, I'm going to be a chef now. Because, you know, I think next he's going to be a brain surgeon. I don't know, stay tuned. But he did an amazing job. And for that, I was attracted like a bee to a, to a, to a flower. Yeah, I bet you'd probably trained a couple of the chefs that were in that kitchen, too. We all end up working. If I had to venture, I guess. Yeah, there was some connection. And an opening party story yet to be told. <laughs> okay, well, you know, what's really interesting, and Steve, man, first of all, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Pleasure to be here, Al. Uh, which Can we hear you? Which which mic are you Pleasure on? Pleasure on number two. You're on number two. Go ahead I again. believe I'm number two, yes. Yeah, there, there you are. Yes, thank you. All right, so really great to be here, Al. I mean, we've been friends for a long time, and, and you know, this story is really about Vegas. This is about what's possible in Vegas and and the extremes uh, and the depths of, of entertainment boundaries that Las Vegas stretches at any given time. And that's what started this craziness at that place. What's really um, interesting to me is that so many of the chefs that worked at Men's Club have gone on to be great chefs in their own right. For those who do not know Steve, who's sitting right next to me right now, he not only ran Men's Club, but he has worked in some of the best kitchens in Las Vegas. He's also a master sommelier. Um, Steve, run through some of the places that you've worked. Well, I've worked for Charlie Trotter, Charlie Palmer, Mark Miller. Andre's been my mentor since I'm a little kid. Uh, you know, just been lucky to, to open and work in restaurants in New York, Miami, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Cincinnati, Las Vegas, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's it's to me, it always comes back to Las Vegas. Las Vegas is my home. And every time I've been abroad working and, and training in other areas, I always find myself back in Las Vegas excited to be home. And the one thing that separates Las Vegas from anywhere else in the world is that anything is possible. And that was the impetus of why this started, was the, the thought, could it, could it actually happen? Could we actually create 
a real true gastronomy experience inside of an environment that has so many other wonderful stimulatory distractions. Uh, yes, in Las Vegas, yes. And if you can't do it in Las Vegas, you can't pull it off anywhere. It had a Cirque du Soleil aspect to it. There was, there was uh, acrobatics going on in the main area as well. Absolutely. It was, was like, you didn't see that. You saw stripper poles, but this was on steroids. It was truly unbelievable. My wife went in there and she said at one point in time she saw tigers walked along the uh, one of the one of the one of the lifts lofts. Well, you know what you mentioned, you know, I always respect people who are innovators and push the boundaries. The only other gentleman's club I remember is a place in Denver um, right by the Pepsi Center and Mark Thomas was the psalm there and I made a sales call on him. It was called Diamond Cabaret. And they had a beautiful, gorgeous club, private rooms, whole thing. And the restaurant was a steakhouse, and it was separated by a glass wall. So you could sit in the dining room, but food and entertainment was not allowed to coexist. Right. So that's why when you say only in Vegas, only in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they did a ton of business. I mean, big steaks, huge wine list, but the two did not meet. Yeah. And, and we have two of the chefs that came through that here. We have Steve and we have Gary Lamort, who's also here. You've heard his voice. Gary now feeds, among other people, the Vegas Raiders um, <laughs> with honest hospitality, but also a fine dining veteran who's worked at some of the best restaurants in Las Vegas. But you guys had a lot of other chefs that went through that kitchen as well. Could you name, for those who are really deep into the Vegas food nerd scene and who are going to know the names, you can, you can rattle off some pretty cool names that worked with you at Men's Club. Yeah, and Gary can confirm as well. I no, think, can't hear you, Steve. I think some of the key first names are uh, Sean King came up to be our sushi guy that went on to be Momofuku and many other great restaurants made. Uh, Gary Gary FX Lamore. John, Johnny Church was our chef de cuisine there. And Johnny I had met through the uh, uh, Charlie Palmer group. Uh, and he was new to Vegas at the time, right? He'd been here for a bit. He'd been working for Charlie for quite a while. So at Oriole? Been, at Oriel and uh, the Sterling Club. And then uh, Kyle Johnson, who's the chef at uh, Strip Steak right now. Brett Balaika, who's a corporate uh, mercenary for Michael Mina. Bobby Silva, RIP. Yes, and his yeah. brother. Both, both, wow. of, both of the Silva brothers. I forgot, about, well. I, I, yeah. I forgot so about the Silvers. If somebody's from out of town and they're hearing these names, they not, may not mean anything, but if somebody's no. a foodie in this town, every name you mentioned is kind of a legendary chef or um, sommelier in this town. And they all, you guys all worked there together at Men's Club. But th let's clarify first. Was that everybody's main gig at the time? I know it was for you, Steve. Or was this a deal where guys would get off of their jobs on the strip and then they would come and help you out at Men's Club? Both, all the above. It was a combination of things. I mean, we had, you know, Sean moved up from California to be um, our sushi specialist there. And then, but, you know, Gary had a full-time other job and would come pick up some shifts like Graveyard. And, yeah, and I worked for things. Thomas Keller 12, 12 hours a day, and then I went and worked at the men's club for another four to five <laughs> yeah. or six, depending if it was busy. So what, what, what was it that drew somebody like you who already had a great job with Thomas Keller to go into a titty bar at the end of the night, which oh, I said I would use that term, but that's what I always called it back in those days, man. I was, I was very crude. I want to answer days. that. It's the culture. Wait, wait, it was Rich, Rick, where are you? I don't know. There you, you are, Can Rick. you hear me? Good. No, it's the culture. Period. The culture that was created. Everybody was part of the cool, a cool club because they knew. It's like, you know, let's just go in there and kick ass, and they did. It was awesome. For me, it was definitely the people in the kitchen and like the the culinary team, and the story was also like compelling. And but you could also tell that when it was happening, that 
12 years later, you'd probably be doing a podcast about it. <laughs> <laughs> there was some crazy stuff for sure. 15 years later. 15. 15. I mean, we were doing crazy things like blind tasting 15 soy sauces to pick the soy sauce. Yeah. I mean, we Ingrid Bingus came in and vetted the place. Uh, chef Thomas uh, Keller's scallop, scallop Nazi scallop uh, <laughs> mercenary, and she she came out and looked at the restaurant, knew it was in a uh, a topless environment, and was totally about it. Said, "You guys care about doing the right thing? Let's do it in this environment." And that right there alone is the reason it can work in Vegas. People want to combine all of their sensory stimulations into one package, and you can you know we tried to pull it off there at a higher level. Well, let, you let's, let, hey, listen, everybody's in a better place now. Why don't we do men's club redux? Do it again. I mean, does anybody <laughs> think it could be done today? <laughs> I think it actually has a no. higher chance of it, I success think, now. Than which then. is why I asked. I think now I think it's it does have a higher complete chance. reversed highest level of of true cabana dinner show slash you know, cabaret of the yeah. old day. Uh, well, look you at the, bring it back and look flip at the it success Betty Page style. Of Mayfair, look at the success of Mayfair and Delilah. I mean, Why couldn't you add a burlesque element with some really great food? It would be fabulous. I mean, I have to tell insane. you, the reason I don't think it would work today is, honestly, I don't think strip clubs are out, have the cachet and have the money being thrown at them that they did 15 years ago. I mean, there used to be... I used to review strip clubs professionally. There were probably twice as many as there are right now. You could go into them at at 1 in the afternoon or even 11 in the and morning and every single one yeah. of them still had dancers yeah. on stage. Yeah. There was a lot more money. Women were not, the women who might be drawn to that type of career were not able to have OnlyFans jobs. Instead, yeah. there were no um, cabana bartending, cabana yeah. waitress jobs, well, which pay very well to beautiful women. So that was like the place for beautiful model women who wanted to make a little extra cash. I don't know that the money is flowing in strip clubs the way. Uh, here, it does seem to be pretty happening at Sapphire today, but generally I don't think that it it would work to that degree. That's just my my thought on it. I wouldn't do a, a strip club with good food. I'd do a great restaurant that had topless chicks. With a burlesque like vibe, vibe, yeah. vibe dining extreme. You know, yeah. something very French Riviera. You know, sophisticated and, and toned down a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, John Church, who couldn't be here today, but he worked in that kitchen, he had sent us over some of these menus. Now, you had a full raw bar menu, which is crazy. You've got all, you have oysters, poke, tartare, ceviche. Um, you could do it with black tire, all kinds of things. But you had all sorts of different, like, preparations for each fish. So it was like, pick your fish and then pick your preparation. Is that how you did it, Steve? Yeah, the backside of the menu was broken up into uh, traditional and non-traditional. Steve. Number two, number two, check sound. Yes. So, you know, uh, the, the menu was broken up into traditional and non-traditional. So we'd have our ingredient, like uh, diver sea scallop carpaccio. And then the traditional flavor would be more of like a, a crudo, basil, red chili, balsamico. And then maybe the non-traditional was tarragon, fennel, riesling uh, as its components. So we would take the ingredient, make it ingredient driven, and then do a traditional pairing of it, uh, flavor profile rendition of it and then more of a non-traditional. And then underneath it, each one of them had their pairings that would go with each one of those. Now, that was your raw bar menu, but then you also had your alchemy kitchen menu, and there's, I mean, this was like the cooked food over here, like braised beef short ribs, Angus ribeye, um, chicken breast, duroc pork chop, um, lamb loin. I mean, this is just absolutely insane. Down to like a, a pork cutlet sandwich, but I mean, risotto, a mixed seafood risotto at a strip club, steamed Maine lobster with Russian banana potato. 
Tito's lemon and butter at thirty dollars per. Al, you're making me hungry. No. I mean, hey, pizza's here. Where's the pizza? Pizza yeah, just pull it, Open it up. Let's eat pizza. We got a delivery, folks. Yeah, so we're gonna eat some sapphire pizza. So, man, you—I mean, Steve—at the time you were coming out of what restaurant, and they—they they hired you to do this. Well, Oreo was my last wine project, and I woke up one morning and I said, "I—I I hate wine." And so I went back into the kitchens, and I had just left. I think Alize at the top. It's the, of the wrong palm. pizza. I was working at both Alize at the, the Palms and Lupo at Mandalay Bay, and uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's. It's kind of a little bit of a melancholic story of how this all came about. One of our opening wine runners at Oriel was a guy named Martin Jank. And Martin was supposed to be the opening wine expert on this project. And I was about to go to Greece on a wine project, and uh, I got a phone call from a fellow master sommelier who ended up doing the wine program there named Darius Allen. And he said that Martin just passed away, a very young, untimely death. So Martin passed away, and I was off to Greece, and... You know, I thought about it quite a bit because Martin was quite a bit younger and it was definitely a young life that had been kind of wasted and gone too soon. Somebody who we had really, really enjoyed the time spent with. And I was looking for my first real chef job. And I really had a quandary over this because, you know, I'd worked for all these celebrity chefs and it's like, is it okay to do this? This forbidden fruit, this is a water that people are going to be like, why are you doing this? And there's a tremendous amount of controversy. And then I, because I'm Las Vegas deep inside, I said, you know what? That controversy is why I want to do this. That's exactly why we should do this. And that's exactly why we're going to do this. And 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 I said, look, if you want them to see what you're doing, do it in a place they're going to be talking about. So, sure so in, honors, in honor of Martin, I said, why don't I be the chef? And literally it went on that way. Well, and, you know, if you don't take chances in life, you never get anywhere. And as I say, being a pioneer, being the first at something – it's always something to be proud of. And if you don't take chances, I, I've, when I watch that Jim Carrey movie, The Yes Man, I says, that's me. I'm going to be the, anytime somebody says, you want to do this, I'm going to go, yes. You want to move to Vegas? Yeah. You want to do this? Yeah. Right. So just say yes. So hey. uh, I, I agree with that. That's why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> when everybody said, Al, that's the dumbest fucking idea ever. I said, yeah, let's do it because that's what makes it fun. When, uh, Rick, you used to go there as both a customer. Did you <laughs> consult <laughs> at all? Were you a consulting chef over there? Or, no, um, but there was an opening party. I'm gonna lead, <laughs> let me lead this story real quick. Let me Wait, lead this story Steve. real quick. Just I'm going to open this Wait, up. No, put that up. Put your mic closer to your mouth. All right. So Rick and I had become friends when I became a taster for one of his books. And then I found out we were doing this project, and we were really excited about having Rick no, do the opening food. No, you worked for me food. for a while at my restaurant. No, I worked after that. Okay, got the time. So I, got, I worked after that. I right. came and worked in the pastry department after because yep, yep. the pastry chef we hired there at Men's Club was terrible. Yes. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so bad. I could do better than that. And, and so did. I went back into the kitchens and went into pastry then. So, But what happened was we wanted to do an opening party of, of something awesome, and we didn't have our kitchen. So we we hired you to come yep. and do it yep. out of the little booth that was it was totally it was like a tent booth totally are you illegal. I mean, oh my we, god! We had no, health uh, department uh, showed up on the scene. No, we're using a slop sink for a you know a hand wash, and I mean it was listen we, we took precautions. So good, we were though, professionals, man. but we weren't supposed to be there. And I had like all kinds of past hors d'oeuvres. Got every, the people that were at the party had to be wearing a, a hard hat. It was it was like. <laughs> they were going to have this party come hell or high water. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. we got raided. We had to all just like. Poof, oh, security <laughs> at the front gate said. Something. Health department is here. Fire oh, department's here. That's right. And, and we had the Jeep loaded before anything happened. By the time you got back there, it was like the 
You the remember kid, this? The guy's sniffing okay. around looking for a, a, a child that had been. He's like, "Where? What's going on here? I know something happened here, but I can't figure it I out." I smell foie gras. Yeah, <laughs> and that, like, that, I smell food. That can only happen if somebody rats on you, because the health department doesn't make random shops. Somebody had to. Well, come on. Somebody ratted on you. I, I mean, look. I like, I like the conspiracy look. theory. Why not? You, you got to name names. You hey, look, get, you, you gotta, know who it had to look, be. Look, uh, I got a phone call before it was open at two o'clock in the morning, and I had to run down because the fire department was there, and there was you know uh, accelerant splashed all over the place. So yeah, that kind of shit happens in we'll crazy see. money environments wow. like that. Wow. So yeah, that's definitely a, a very Vegas kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, that's only a teaser there. You know, you had something other than these fantastic kitchens, and I didn't remember it until some of my friends started posting on social media when I said I was going to be here. You had the excuse booth. And oh, oh that God. was great. That was priceless. That was priceless. the best. The booth was um, probably the funniest damn thing that I've seen in a strip club ever. Could you explain that, Steve, and where it came from? Well, first of all, first of all, I bet you wish you were in the excuse booth right now because we could just turn the background into yeah. anything we exactly wanted. Yep. And that was what it was. You'd walk into the soundproof booth, and you'd dial in your background music or whatever it noise, was. Yep. You're at the airport. There's airport noises going on in the background. And you make your phone call and say, hey, I'm running late. You know, my event's not happening. Now, so, I wish that was my idea, but it wasn't. But it was genius one way or the did, other. Did, did, did Cleve? It was. Did yeah. Cleve have one of those at the Gentleman's Club in Reno? Who? Cleve. Who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> First names only. <laughs> okay, so yeah, there there was a men's club in Reno, right? No, that was the gentleman's the club. The gentleman's club, okay, but yeah. by the same owners? Yeah, same guy. Okay, cool. I think it's still going. Oh yeah, cool. it's a it's, it's a powerhouse. Great calendar. Yeah. It's Great the calendar. sapphires of Reno. Okay, so let's get down to down and dirty. This is some shit that I, everybody wants to know. Of all the chefs we named, we named six or eight of them, so you don't have to name names. But of the chefs, the, the famous chefs and sommeliers that we mentioned before, how many of them banged a stripper during their time there? I gotta say, at least half. At least that would be half. My guess. That would be my guess. Well, I mean, look, you know, my, my philosophy in life is everything men I mean, do. I don't know, but I mean, I mean Stephen, I'm, guys, am I right? Everything men do is for currently pussy, employed right? at the men's club at that time, or just a stripper in general? No, probably no. a com- combination. Good of, question. Good I'm basically question. asking who went to work to get laid, right? Who was basically spending no, most of their time I trying to? I mean, maybe. That, but I think there was some, you know, happy circumstance I'm, that would happen. I'm sure the blonde kid did well. Sorry, say that again. I'm sure the blonde kid did well. Surfer? Yeah. Yeah. Surfer boy. Oh. All the Samiers with Mohawks. The pretty boy. The pretty boy. The pretty boy. Uh, how much drama did you guys have to deal with? Was there constantly, like, dancer fights that you had to deal with? And were you getting glitter in your food? I mean, like, you know, down and dirty. What was what was it really like in the trenches? I, I personally didn't experience any. It was a pretty professional work environment, honestly, for me. I mean, the greatest distractions uh, were, like, if you were... Like, not only did it have this huge menu, but we would also, like, completely style people out. And there'd be multiple chefs cooking for VIPs yep. and, like, multi-course tasting menus and all that stuff. Uh, and the, the, I'll tell you, the most trouble I ever got into at the men's club was cooking for a bunch of industry uh, peers. And we're doing this tasting menu. And it's probably, like, 3 a.m. And everybody's having a good time, except for me. I'm working. And uh, I'm running food back and forth from the kitchen to the dining room. And we're spieling them. And they're obviously having a really good time and as i'm walking from the main dining area back to the kitchen there was this acrylic stage that was above your head (laughs) and i just happened to be walking underneath somebody who was very 
attractive and <laughs> waving at me, right? So I'm like looking up and I'm smiling and I'm like, you know what? This is really cool. I'm smiling. <laughs> My friends are looking at naked girls hanging from the ceiling, waving at me. Bam! Walked right into the glass door of that huge wine <laughs> rack. And I don't mean like I walked into a little bit. I mean like I was looking up and I hit that thing Face like plan. full force. Full force. You know, chefs, chefs dropping the food is one thing that always gets me excited. When a chef wants to deliver his food to the table, it doesn't happen very often. I've had Wolfgang Puck do it. Jeremiah Tower used to always bring my food to my table because we were good friends. But when a chef does that, I I think it's exciting. I wish more chefs would do that. Get out of the kitchen. Gibbs. Go see a guest for God's I sake. Actually meant, I, th- I thought you were actually talking about them dropping the food no, no, no. into a door. It's a restaurant term, yeah. as my, my associates know. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Um, okay, so how long did that last? How, how long was the glory days of the men's club? I think it was like six weeks. <laughs> six weeks? <laughs> six weeks. It seems like yeah, it was Yeah, the novelty ran dirty. off in the short order. No, it had no, to be longer uh, You know, it was. I would say the real fun was the first six months, and then it ran into, you know, the challenges that a business that isn't quite doing the business that it was anticipating to do run into it. It happens in many different types of businesses. It just happens to be a lot more competitive and costly in that environment. It was, so, it was not, I'd say six months. Let's point the finger. Who, who screwed up? Who I blame the taxi drivers. Who screwed it up? Taxi I blame drivers. the taxi drivers. No, this was, Jay, to <laughs> clarify to those listening. I'm kidding. I love taxi drivers. My yeah, mom but I lo- a taxi driver. <laughs> I want to make, make people accountable. Good, Rick. There's no drive-by traffic. It was it was tucked right. away. It was in an armpit of uh, of a neighborhood. You you had to know to go there. Yeah. And so there was absolute destination, and there was just a miscommunication on how to get uh, customers there. I think that was the ultimate demise. They originally were hoping that the Harmon, as city center got built over there, would drop right into their yard. Right. But you saw how that took five years later to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it was yeah. it was pre-Uber, so there's no Uber in there. Everything life. everything was ahead of its time. That yeah. whole concept. The idea of doing like amazing food out of a really super cool uh, strip club, and it was just ahead of its time, man. You know, and, and that's the thing I look at. The decor was otherworldly. It it there was no formica, there was no linole. It was just so gorgeous aesthetically yeah. that it, it it transformed you out of the strip club mindset into you know, something entirely different. At the end of the day, it probably was all those distractions that, you know, that did it. Sensory I mean, overload. It sensory overload, much, yeah. Almost too much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, all these, I mean, and a huge, what, you know, what, you had a six or seven or 800 item wine list? Yeah. Strip clubs don't have that. But they do have three, 400. Most yeah. restaurants don't have that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Al. Yes. They also did pairings. Like, you, I would sit at the bar, and that's where I went all the time. They knew me by name there. I'd go three times a week. <clears throat> I rarely went into the strip club part. I just hung out at the bar where the where the sushi was and talked to Sean King, who was the chef there. We became friends, and ultimately he worked for me and opened up a sushi program in my seafood concept in Mandalay Bay. It was Sean that started that program with me. And he would come to my restaurant occasionally because they had have an unusually busy night, got wiped out of the scallops from Ingrid. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Steve knew that I had quality products. So he would send Sean over to my restaurant and we did this kind of exchange, right? Give him six dozen oysters and, and a dozen, two dozen uh, scallops, whatever. And so there was a deep relationship there. But the pairings, the, the beverage pairings, wasn't just wine pairings. 
They did cocktails. They did sake. They did everything with the sushi. When they felt as though it just worked. They were just coloring outside the, the lines, you know, making this unbelievable picture that it was, it was I learned from going there. You know, as, as, a, as a chef that has to be creative in this world, it was, it was a playground for me. Well, I think, you know, um, Steve, you just brought in two reviews written about the place, which I haven't seen in forever. There's a review by me and a review by Max Jacobson. I'm wondering, what did we say? Because I can't believe you still have my 2006 article. Well, Does a body good? At the men's club, there's much more on the menu than eye candy by Al Mancini. Las Vegas restaurant world is a pretty small, close-knit community, and lately the one new place everyone seems to be talking about is Men's Club Las Vegas. In first, in fact, I first learned of the high-end strip club had finally opened its doors from the maitre d' at the restaurant at Platinum. By the way, that was a good restaurant back in the day, while having dinner with a lot of other writers. Anyway, that's, the, that's how my thing started. That was, what, 2005, did we just say? 2006? 2000, I think 2000. Oh, there you are, sorry. I think 2007 on that, Al, and, you know, the reason I brought that was because that that to me was a defining moment that everything we had done was okay and and we had done the right thing and it was respected as such by the way that your words had had been put it in print it was there forever now right and and the review is is beautiful it's very you know it's 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 you got what we were doing there and you know the most important thing and what we were doing there at the end of the day was we did create a think tank and gary mentioned that earlier you know it wasn't just mine or Johnny's or any of the chef's ways our goal always was and I believe it's always been the way that I, I think that I continue to think today is is that we can all learn something special from somebody else everybody's got different things to bring to the palate to the journey to the research and if somebody's way is better than the others let's judge it by the palate let's judge it by how it tastes and let's be real about that and if if my dishwasher's grandmother's mashed potatoes are better than mine, we should use her recipe for God's sakes, right? If we're allowed to, then right. and that brings all of us to the next level. And that's why Gary and, and Rick and, and Bob and I and, and you are all still friends because I think that we constantly try to push ourselves to the next level, but surround ourselves with people that want to push us to the next level that allows us to push ourselves to the next level. And well, and that's what happened there. You know, I feel like in this town there are always these little culinary incubators, whether they're they're by design or whether they're by accident. And, um, you know, you can point to Vegas Test Kitchen today. Um, you can point to the back of the house brawls that we all used to go to um, where people just went out and got creative and brainstormed. But in a way, even though it was in the middle of this super high-budget, you know, b bajillion-dollar fucking thing where everybody was in there with expense accounts, I feel like because it was so out of character, Character for great chefs and great wine people to be in a strip club that you almost had the, this indie spirit and this independence and this ability to fuck around because it was just so fucking bizarre what you were doing to begin with that like ah well, well why why play by any rules at this point yeah we definitely didn't have to worry about playing by the any sort of playbook that was in place already that's for sure well, was anyone in charge actually was anyone actually was there a, a person who yeah ran the I mean place? at the end of the day my pal it was the final final decision no, if we were I mean, like on the border of something I mean from the business running the business of the business did anybody run it we're, we're not talking about the business <laughs> we're, we're talking about the astronomical we're, pursuits we're talking about happiness so I guess that yeah. that explains why it didn't freaking survive we're talking about two, Look, food and breasts one of the, Those are the one of the Charlies I worked one of the Charlies I worked for said something once that was very important he says look as long as you do the right thing the money will come and when the money comes, then you can worry about all the little fiddling of the business part. 
they didn't have the critical mass they needed for that business to happen. They just didn't have enough people here to drive that cost. Well, I mean, honestly, I feel like it was a little bit of Vegas history. I don't know that we learned anything about how it worked, but that wasn't my goal. It was really to sort of commemorate for people who don't remember this because we're in a town that we just tear shit down and nobody tells the stories anymore. Um, are there any other stories from that place that you guys really think we need to remember and we need to put down for the dozens of people? Come on, listen throw to somebody under the bus, baby. Throw somebody. And only okay, first I'll names. share the only story that was fun <clears throat> when I walked out and said, just like the Gary's walking into the window story. I remember walking it was a door. out. It was a uh, door. It, was it wasn't a, normally it was there. It was door. open. Okay. Yeah. The glass I, bl- I blame the sommeliers. <laughs> it was definitely them. They were drunk. They were. He was. One was probably, uh, you know, banging a stripper in the VIP room. That's my guess. So the, the blonde kid. So I, uh, you know, it was the combination of all of this, and we, I guess, wanted a burger, and we were grinding our burgers out of bacon and everything that was there. It had a little of everything. We had venison, and there was venison in the burger, and. Uh, they ordered three burgers, and I went out, and I walked out, and the gentleman was sitting there, and he had two lovely ladies, one on each knee, and all three of them had burgers in their hands. <laughs> they were all eating these beautiful handmade burgers that we ground in-house with combination of bacon and venison and all this stuff in it. And they're like, oh, it is so delicious. What's in it? And I told them, I said, well, it's you know, not just beef. It's got bacon and venison. And the girls both looked at him and goes, what's venison? And he goes, it's Bambi. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of really says it all. It was eat anything, do anything you want. You shouldn't have to worry about it because at the end of the day, it's about the experience, the taste, and the pleasure. I wonder if one of the girls was named Bambi. That would have been really awkward. I think awkward. that's what it was. It would have been very, very awkward. <laughs> I also remember one night where somebody came in and bought uh, a round of caviar service, and then all the accoutrements came back. And the caviar was gone, and they're like, the guy wants more caviar, so he starts setting up the He's like, no, he doesn't want that, just the caviar, and hurry up. So we give him the caviar, and like six minutes later, he comes back, needs more caviar. And what happened was he had girls lined up, and he was putting the caviar on their breasts and <laughs> eating the caviar off them. And he went through, like, it was like ounces and ounces. It went on for a little while. Uh, I want to be caviar off stripper breast rich. That's how rich I want Let's have a group rich. applause for that because that's that, super that shows a certain level of debauchery that I have to respect. Yeah, I love that. Well, man, I want to thank you guys all for being here with me, for doing a little bit of reliving of these memories and trying to capture a little bit of history before everybody forgets about it. Um, so thanks. You know what is also interesting? I remember you showing me you had an immersion circulator in that kitchen at a time when nobody was doing sous vide really right we were sous vide there in 2007 yes it was fucking crazy anyway we're going to come back in a slightly more quiet on format and give you some news i think i'm going to play a little bit of tal ronan when we come back this is food and loathing I'm Jonathan Jossel. Who are you? <laughs> I said, I'm the mayor. Actually, I'm the CEO of the Plaza Hotel and Casino. We're located on the corner of Main Street. That's also the name of our podcast. The only podcast produced by a Vegas hotel. That introduction right there is bigger than any other introduction. If you're missing Vegas, in between visits, or just Vegas curious, I absolutely love, love, love to play slots. Join the fun every week right here on our podcast on the corner of Main Street. All right, Rich here one more time to tell you about Bottle Rock. It's a big food, wine, and music festival this weekend in Napa, California. Al and I will be there. We'll be recording all the fun for future episodes, but you can also catch Al live streaming interviews all weekend long on the Podopolo app. What? What's a Podopolo? Podopolo is a new app that combines a podcast platform with a social media community. 
need more food podcasts, more Vegas podcasts, more Space Monster podcasts, whatever you like. If you want to connect with both the people who make those podcasts and other people who listen to those podcasts, Podopolo is where you do it. You can find the app where you find apps, but let me spell it because it's really actually easy. Podopolo is P-O-D-O-P-O-L-O. Podopolo. And keep it right here on Food and Loathing in the future. Let's see what uh, rock star chefs and winemakers Al and I managed to corner backstage. It's time for the news. And as you can probably hear, I am no longer poolside. Yeah, this segment is short and Rich is already going to have his hands full trying to make the stuff I recorded without him sound good. He is a magic man, and I have faith, but um, for this segment, I figured I'd spare him the background noise. So, I'm going to stick to only one news story this week, and it's a preview of what I hope will be a larger segment that we may have next week. Friday, May 27th, the day this podcast drops, is also the day of the VIP grand opening celebration for Tal Ronan's Crossroads Kitchen in Resorts World. And the restaurant will open to the public later Memorial Day weekend. Not sure exactly the date and hours on that one, but check it out. I'm sure you'll be able to find it online. For those of you who aren't familiar with the name, Tal Ronan is one of America's premier vegan chefs. And Crossroads Kitchen on Melrose in Los Angeles is a pretty popular celebrity hangout. 100% plant-based, 100% vegan, and that is what he is bringing to Resorts World in the old Marigold space. So that's going right in there. I know a lot of people were wondering what was happening with that. Um, Chef Tal had an informal roundtable conversation with a few journalists last week. It was great for me to catch up with him. I hadn't seen him in a while. Um, I am editing that down into what I hope will be a nice long-form segment that I could share with you next week. But since the restaurant is opening this week, week, or this weekend, I should say, I wanted to share just a short segment of it with the chef telling you what to expect of Crossroads Kitchen. So here goes. There's a lot of great plant-based food in Vegas, like really good, <laughs> um, but not a, a, a real formal place on the strip. We got an amazing place right off the casino floor. We're very excited for you guys to see it. We're putting final touches on it uh, this week. We're opening uh, on Memorial Day, which is exciting. The menu's gonna be very similar to Melrose. Um, we've always been a Mediterranean, Italian-skewed Mediterranean restaurant first. We don't use the word plant-based, we don't use the word vegan. Um, we feel that good food is good food and doesn't need to have a label. So there's no obvious cues on the menu or in the decor or anywhere in the Crossroads experience that you're eating no animal products, all plant-based. The menu, it reads very much like uh, a traditional menu, right? At an Italian restaurant or it's got your appetizers, your pizzas, your salads. Um, what's been really important for me is to create food that's very familiar to people because a lot of people um, want to dabble in plant-based, but they might be a little intimidated by either ingredients or how difficult it could be to prepare at home. So we wanted to create um, dishes that people would recognize immediately. So you'll see things like fettuccine alfredo, you'll see things like Caesar salads and all of that because it makes people comfortable. For Vegas, we wanted to elevate things a little bit even more, um, so we added a dish I'm really excited about, which is the chestnut foie gras. And it's really simple, but um, comes together just like foie, both 
texture-wise, flavor-wise. It's literally um, chestnuts that are roasted and porcini mushrooms, some uh, shallots, white wine. Um, they get cooked down together, come together. They get buzzed and um, we form them in these silicone molds and serve them over a Cabernet Demi with some fresh grapes. And it's a, a very luxurious dish. Same with this, the, the chips and caviar, um, classic right for Vegas to have some sort of caviar service. As the chef mentions, if you look at the menu, and actually you can find the menu on our social media pages. Um, you could also see Scott Robin at Vital Vegas retweeted um, our photo of the menu, which is great. I mean, we love it when Scott shares our stuff, so thanks, Scott. Um, but anyway, if you look at that menu, what you're going to see is that the names of a lot of dishes, they look like they contain animal products or maybe just the names of animal products. Um, so uh, you'll see foie gras. You'll see caviar. Rest assured, this is 100% plant based. I know that pisses a lot of people off when it looks like it has meat in it or it looks like it has an animal and you wonder why they're using faux meats or why they're why they're doing that, why they say there's pepperoni on the pizza. Look, that's a debate for another day and I enjoy that debate, but I feel like we've had it a lot anyway. And here's the deal. When you're walking into a restaurant by one of the world's um, best known plant-based chefs, and this is the guy that did all of Steve Wynn's vegan menus for him like 15 years ago, however many years was, you should just rest assured there's not going to be any animal product um, on it. So if you don't like the way he labels things, fine. I get it. I kind of have been in that camp before, but I'm really excited to try his food. I like the fact that he's just trying to create something that's open to everyone. Um, and you know, for a vegan chef, he is very much open to the fact that, um, you can just go, maybe just go vegan one day a week, or you only want to, you know, just reduce your animal products. And he's happy for cooking for people like that. And um, that's really the folks that he is trying to welcome into his restaurant. So you don't have to be a hardcore vegan. It's not like you're making a statement by going there. You're just going there for yummy food. I'm looking forward to it. And um, I hope that we will have much more of that roundtable discussion with Chef Tal, or maybe even have him on the... Um, on the program sometime soon. So that is about it for this episode of Food and Loathing. Thank you to all of our guests. Um, first of all, Rick Moonen for co-hosting, Steve Geddes, uh, Gary Lamort, Bob Cranston. Thanks to all those guys. Thank you to everybody um, over at over at um, Sapphire's Gentleman Club and Sapphire Day Club. We had so much fun being over there. Uh, it was a blast chatting with everybody. Thanks to, um, uh, wow, who am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting from over there? Ah, David. David David Wax. Yes, thanks so much, man. It was such such great hospitality. And thanks to all the half-naked um, performers who were out there and to Megan Fazio, who was celebrating her birthday right next door. We had a total blast with that. Also, please tell a friend about Food and Loathing and spread the word on social media. Find all the handles on my website, theneonmohawk.com. You can also reach us directly by email, info at foodandloathing.com. Vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, download the Neon Feast app and use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, whatever you want, you'll find it at Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from people you can trust because they know what they're talking about. It's refreshing. If you can't get enough of my voice and would also like to see my pretty face, you can see me on the CW Las Vegas every other Wednesday morning at approximately 8.15 a.m. And you can catch me now and then at the Neon Feast Update. It's actually called the Neon Feast Foodie Update on The Vibe, 99.7 here in Las Vegas and 98.1 in 
in the high desert and 98.9 at the river. And on behalf of producer Rich Johnson, who is going to come in in post-production, I am Al Mancini reminding you to stay hungry.